Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, brought to you by the Turnstile Network. My name's Ian McNally, and with me is Matt Lavery. Hi, Matt. Hello there. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty well, because we're sat in Federation Square in the majestic Melbourne. Oh. It's about 40 degrees yes. Celsius. I think it's just dropped below 40. 42 earlier it was. Yeah, I think I've, I've lost my, my body weight uh, already today. Here. What a delicious image. <laughs> It is very, it's a very hot and sweaty day. Um, we should not be using electrical equipment, actually. No, it's that's very true, dangerous. actually, yes. But uh, we're here at Fed Square because we're recording whilst the Australian Open oh. is on. The tennis. It's fantastic. It is wonderful. It is like a real festival atmosphere, isn't it, in Melbourne? When well, let me tell you, Ian, I've been there twice uh, since, since the tournament began, um, and it's just been amazing. Uh, I've seen Serena Williams, I've seen Rafa Nadal, uh, various other superstars of the tennis world. But beyond the tennis, it's just an amazing place. They've got terrific bands from all over the world playing, great beers, Aperol spritz, cocktails, wine. Oh, it's all happening. (laughs) And almost anyone can buy a ticket as well, which is good because Wimbledon, all the tickets are locked down. You have to camp out. Yes, no camping, just turn up and enjoy. I don't know whether the Australian Open happening right now will maybe the wheel will throw up some sort of tennis related wouldn't it be uh, incredible theme? if we got a tennis <laughs> related topic when we're recording live in fed square during the australian open look uh, stranger things have happened and to be honest i got some really strange looks on this tram on the way here it was 40 degrees in a very packed, busy tram with no air conditioning because you've it was got one this of the old giant models. wheel and i've got the wheel with me i mean to be honest I got some admiring looks. I bet. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And they had the wheel with me, so <laughs> it was it was very impressive. Uh, what we're going to do is spin the wheel um, in Federation Square, right in the heart of Melbourne, to see what topic. So, Matt, I think you should give it a spin this All time. Right, let me have a go. I'm going to spin it now. Now, I'm very excited to see what the wheel would give. Give. I really hope it is tennis related. It's got to be something, hasn't it? Surely it has. So let's see. This episode, the topic is back to back basics. Back to basics. Back to basics. Now, strangely, not only are we recording this live from Federation Square in Melbourne, and the Australian Open is on now, but this is a new topic. It's a new topic. Like it's always been on the wheel. <laughs> well, well, of always. course. The wheel doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it just so happens that we, we've got back to basics, so absolutely, have you got, have you got something for this, Matt? I do. I do have something, and uh, lo and behold, it's a, it's a bit of a beginner's guide to tennis. Like me, uh, you may not know loads about tennis. Hang on, hang on. You've, you just said, oh, right, right up front, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been twice to the tennis. I saw Serena Williams, Rafa Nadal. So this is it. And you also had a bit of hospitality at the tennis I did you, have you, hospitality. You weren't yeah. it. You no, were, no. Uh, you're getting free drinks and programs, it. and you know, nose in the air. No, yeah. it was. Uh, it, it, it was a lot of fun. You're really diminishing the working class base at this podcast. <laughs> I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying you don't? Do you not know a lot? Of Honestly, podcasts? I don't know. It's uh, it's probably not my sport, um, but based on my experience over the last fortnight. It's my new favourite sport. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Is this like, you know, 
in, in when it gets to May and everyone becomes a really big fan of Eurovision oh. just for the <laughs> that. No, this, 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 and then it's just a fad. This isn't just for these two weeks. This is <laughs> this is for life. <laughs> Say like everyone becomes a fan of I become a fan of Eurovision for that month. <laughs> and that's it. For the month. <laughs> just for the month, yeah. I mean for the no, night, four, sure. No, four for weeks. Month. Absolutely okay. four weeks. You really yeah. follow them from yeah. the qualification. I get, I get um kind of uh very misty-eyed about uh, Lulu, Cliff Richards, Katrina and the Waves, all, all brilliant. Some of these references I'm getting, some of them I'm not. Yeah, that's But then uh, I haven't been it's to It's not me. I haven't been to Eurovision <laughs> twice, so I don't know anything about it. Um, yeah, it's ironic that I, someone, a self-professed uh, newbie to tennis, is now going to deliver a bit of a beginner's guide to tennis, because um, yeah, for me, I one of the things I found really confusing when I'm getting into it is the language and the terminology, the vocabulary of tennis. It's, it's bizarre. It's one of those things that you don't really think about because it's just, you know, you've watched it on TV for so long or whatever. And it, yeah, you, it, it is very unique, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. What's so wrong with nil-nil? <laughs> There's no nil-nils. It's love-love. But I've looked into it. Do you, do you know why they, Not they start at love? Not a clue. Okay. Would you like to take a guess? Uh, I've you don't have to. No, no, I will because okay, uh, the history of tennis I think originated maybe in the north of France. Oh no, he's going to expose me. Yes, and you're right. Uh, really, am I on the you're right on track? the right track? Oh my goodness! So and they, you know, they're they're love maniacs, the French. So what? So big romantics. Romance language. So. Apparently so. Yeah. So what? A, what I've heard. Um, uh, I've well got it, nothing you, to base you know, that on. No, you, you know what? You're not a million miles away. So, um, the French, when, where they were playing tennis, the one lad would be winning, the other guy's losing, and uh, obviously the winner wants to taunt his opponent, so he starts saying, "Oh, mate, you've got egg. You've got egg," because zero looks a bit like an egg. So. <laughs> That's how, they, that's how the French taunt each other. You've got egg, mate. You've got egg. And obviously in French, as I'm sure you remember from your GCSEs, in French, egg is l'oeuf. L'oeuf. Get Love. out of town. Yeah. So they're basically saying 15 egg. 15 egg, mate. You've got, <laughs> you got 30 egg. It's amazing, isn't it? We're starting off with the love eggs. <laughs> so why is the scoring not in uh, in factors of six. Oh, the, <laughs> like, the like score. eggs, so, so six, 12, so six, 18. 12, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it not that? I don't know, but the scoring system's weird in itself, isn't it? It Start is. with 15. 15, that, why? Why 15? Why not just one? Then it goes to 30. That kind of makes sense. You double it, 1.2 points. And then it just cuts off and adds 10 more points to go to 40. I would say that tennis is the best scoring system of any sport because it's world. weird because it's strange and it it psychologically i think it has a big effect on players because of the way it's done because it's a, if it was just one two three four I, I think the the game would be so different but because it's 15 30 40 and then you've got the advantage system yeah. I think it's so that just changes the psychology of the sport I mean, massively th- what what i like about about this is uh, they, they, they go 15, 30, 40 and then game because they're lazy. It should be 45. 
So they used to mark it on the clock. So they would go in 15 minutes. Is that minute where it comes from? Yes. I've and then never thought about that. That's it. And people just. And presumably they used an egg timer. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they just got they just got lazy, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, forty means forty-five. Forty means forty. You know, you you who, who you get is me. this getting lazy? Just people talking about tennis, <laughs> like people shouting <laughs> the score. What's the score over there? Oh, it's forty egg. You mean forty-five? Yeah, you know what I mean. Forty-five egg. <laughs> so they just dropped the five, just out of pure can't be bothered, which makes me like tennis even more. That that is cool. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just like drop it. You know what I meant. Forty. We, I think I feel like we've delved into two very rich French stereotypes. Oh, look. <laughs> Do you know what, though? So early on. No, no. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying the French are lazy. I'm just saying people in tennis are lazy mm. or people talking about tennis, like me, are lazy. <laughs> um, but it doesn't end there. I mean, you've got juice. And we're not talking Robinsons. Uh, we're talking juice. Uh, any idea? that come from? No, yeah. juice. I mean, it could be like, draw. Could I be thought it was like maybe a duel. Like nope. you, you're fighting each other. I mean, this this one's less obvious in its explanation, um, but it's from de in French, meaning two. So it's just it's it's another mispronunciation of a French word. So two meaning like equal, if you like. Where me and you, we us two, we're both the same. So it'd be de. And uh, became juice. This sport is a mess. It's an absolute shambles <laughs> like if, of the language. If more people knew about this. Do you know what's even better than that? When the ball hits the net, they don't shout net, they shout let. Have you ever noticed? Yeah. Ever wondered why it's let? I thought they were just saying... Let it be. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Inspired by the Beatles. <laughs> it's, it's inspired by the French again. So, if you go fishing, you would have... A net. A net. Yeah. But in French, that, that fishing net is a filet. And that filet is spelt fillet. And again, they messed it up and just started saying let. So net, that is fillet, extraordinary. Net, filet, fillet, let. So it, let doesn't mean anything. It's, a, it's an absolute mongol of a language that the tennis players use. So where does the filet of fish fit into this? <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? You've got fish, you've got eggs, you've got juice. Good, I, I'm, I am staggered. That'll help you with the language when you're, when you're next watching a tennis game. And it's, uh, it's 15, well, it's 45 to, a, to an egg. <laughs> <laughs> and then it hits the fillet. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually reminds me of an old uh, quiz question, which was name four sports which have a net but not a ball. A net but not a ball. A net but not a ball. Okay, so I'm thinking fishing. Fishing, yeah. Angling, yeah. That's um, one. Go on. There's uh, ice hockey. Right. I've put um, badminton. Okay, yeah. And boxing. Go on. Uh, Annette is the girl who holds oh, the sign up. Uh, <laughs> saying round three. See, that, that ding, ca- ding. That <laughs> dates that joke, does it? <laughs> Quite significantly. <laughs> it does. It does and it has. Yeah. Carry on. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so now you know a bit about the language. Um, but there's there's a lot of other weird things that go on in tennis. I mean, uh, not not here in Australia where people can wear what they want, but certainly in London uh, at Wimbledon, the dress code is massive. Um, there are real sanctions 
for not wearing all white. The rules are so specific. You're allowed up to one centimeter of color. The white cover, the white includes their undergarments, their shoes, their taping if they have an injury. Um, Okay, who's checking the undergarments? Well, honestly, it's interesting you ask. It's a thing. Um, Players have been sanctioned for uh, wearing frills on their their underwear, um, uh, wearing pink bras, uh, coloured pants, things like that. Wow. Roger Federer got in trouble because the soles of his shoes were orange. Get out. Soles. Wow. You you need to be very careful. Um, From 1988 to 1990, Andre Agassi just refused to participate. He's such a fan of the Technicolor (laughs) uniform. He said, no, I'm not going to bother. I mean, he changed his mind, put his whites on and won it. But (laughs) for two years, he said, no, I'm I'm, I'm a top player and I'm just not not interested, lads. Wow, but they they didn't bend? No, they wouldn't bend. No. Wouldn't bend for anybody. Um, but it's but it's it's you might you might be thinking why are they so strict? And it's obviously Wimbledon I guess it's a bit of a a symbol of British tradition. It's it's also a theme park for posh people. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> theme park. <laughs> like a zoo. Well, I saw a pit like they had a picture couple of years ago i think benedict cumberbatch and like the royal family and all this were were in the wimbledon crowd and they took this picture and it would have included a like, cross-section of the crowd this is in one of the most diverse cities in the world let's say that that picture was not diverse right <laughs> it was <laughs> so one-dimensional yeah i can only imagine uh, yeah so that yeah it's a bit of a challenge but it does explain the kind of well, fustiness and the well it's uh, the, maybe the all white well, it's connotations all white, like applied to the crowd as well as the, <laughs> the uniform. Well, there's, uh, the reason it started um, back in the Victorian era, the players wore white for propriety, um, you know, to keep their dignity because it was seen as uh, undignified to, to sweat. And oh, yeah. they, they thought white would be the best color to, to hide the players' sweat patches. See that—that's actually not true. I don't think it's very true. No, unless they had a different fabric to the one I'm wearing. Because generally, if you look at anybody who works in a profession where you get sweaty, they generally wear dark black because it doesn't show the sweat yes. much. So, well, I guess maybe a dark color was too heavy for the summer months. But that's true. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. I suppose in a it's Victorian, Victorian era, era, yeah, maybe they there is an association to death and yeah. <laughs> to guys. Um, but yeah, so that 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 ruler sort of stuck around because even the yeah the logos everything has to be the, one centimeter and the sponsorship as well is so much more limited at Wimbledon, isn't it? Even on the backboards, which and is good though. I really like it. Yeah, I like the fact the sponsors can't yeah get on the players' clothes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but you know the players sort of have done their own thing uh, <laughs> to <laughs> sort of c- come around it a little bit and express <laughs> themselves. Do you, do you remember last year? I the player escapes me but British player at the Australian Open and he wasn't expected to do very well but he just chanced his arm and and happened to get much further than he expected and he didn't have any sponsorship deal because he was so lowly ranked really and he basically turned up in what I used to wear as my school PE kit, nice. which is like navy shorts. He, he wore your school PE kit. <laughs> he did, and that's why he was such a superstar. You sponsored him. <laughs> <laughs> but he just had like navy shorts and a white t-shirt. 
Nice. It would look like a cotton t-shirt. It's just brilliant. That's great. Yeah. And he did all right, did he? Yeah, he did. He did very well. I think nice. he got through. Well, maybe some, the I mean, fifth round. it's a big thing now. Uh, Sharapova uh, famously wore white tuxedo. Um, people thought she was taking the Mickey out of the rules, but she said she, it's just fashion. But um, Federer obviously wears his white blazer. <laughs> a tuxedo. Yeah, she wore a white tuxedo to play. Um, my favourite, Serena Williams wore wore a white raincoat. Bit of a tongue twister there. Serena Williams in a white raincoat. Well, I suppose it's Wimbledon, isn't it's Wimbledon. it? Wimbledon. It yeah. They've got the cover on centre court now. Absolutely. But um, there was a good one back in uh, 1985. A lady called Anne White uh, had to wear white. And um, she's great. She wore a white catsuit with <laughs> white leg warmers. <laughs> so she like wore this... Like really skin tight, full on skin tight. Not very appropriate for Wimbledon. No rule setters. Yeah, Did it, it pass the her opponent complained about it, and she she was told she couldn't wear it for the next round. Um, but since then, um, people have worn cat suits, sort of in the modern era, uh, and not been in trouble. It's more about the colour than what they're wearing. But yeah, propriety is a big thing at Wimbledon. Um, so, do you think they have to kind of submit? Bef- you know, to the rule makers, be- they say this is what the kit I'm wearing. Do you no. think they have to hang it no, up and say no? They, they or do they just don't. go out on court? It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, isn't it? So <laughs> I think I think they wear it and then face the consequences. So who, like, it just interests me if that was my job to kind of check, yeah, the underwear. Check the underwear. Of, yeah, so so sinister. Do you know what, mate? If you ever end up back in SW19, it's <laughs> probably a vacancy. Someone's doing it. <laughs> It's so disturbing. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Very creepy. In addition to the to the dress code, obviously, uh, another weird thing that the tennis has is just inviting players to participate. Players who haven't qualified for the <laughs> tournament. Now, I, can you, you can imagine how this started. It was like basically someone who hasn't been trying very hard and hasn't been pulling their weight. But the organisers like them. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, is there any way we could get Dave in? Yeah, get, get Dave a go, oh, man. Give, him a, on. give him a ring. Give yeah. him a ring. I know he hasn't qualified. He's a wild yeah. card. So is that that they call it the wild card, don't they? Where you wild just card means you didn't qualify. Possibly because you're not good enough. Possibly because you've had a bit of time off. I mean, some people have like um, been away for for good reasons or, or fair reasons uh, like Kim Keistus she won the US Open uh, after getting a wild card entry um, but she she was on a comeback having it started a family so kind yeah, of fair enough she hasn't qualified because she hasn't been playing they know she's a former world number one so they let her well, in and wild uh, card seems an inappropriate term doesn't it you know maternity leave sounds <laughs> more sounds reasonable fair. yeah exactly that <laughs> was my world ranking yeah. when you're on maternity leave no um, but then his injuries as well. Uh, in 2001, Goran Ivanisevic. Yeah, previous uh, episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, go back and listen to that one. Um, yeah, he won the Wimbledon men's singles. Uh, probably the most famous wildcard entry. Uh, I think certainly after beating Tiger Tim Henman in the <laughs> semi-final, was uh, it? Yeah, I think in the semis. And yeah, I think he was ranked 120th or 125th 125th in the world. It yeah. was, yeah. And he'd, but he'd had a shoulder in June again. I mean, it sort of ruins the romance, but he, he'd done pretty well in the past. He wasn't a complete unknown. Um, but yeah, I just, I just love the idea that some players just get invited in. Uh, Maria Sharapova, for example, she got invited back 
uh, she wasn't eligible because she was coming back from a drug ban. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you think that's why she wore the tuxedo? Because she needed more pockets? Possibly. <laughs> but I, I actually called her a drug cheat the other day, and my mate said, no, she's not a drug cheat, she's just a drug user. <laughs> Apparently she wasn't wasn't doing it for any sporting benefit, just more sort of a, a social recreational really? bit of fun. Yes. Well, well, it is. It, it strikes me as kind of a boring, repetitive life. T- tennis. Well, there you are. So you know, you go to the same destination every time of year. You you're kind of doing the same thing every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, very very boring. Well, that's how she returned to the U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it's not about your previous success, like. Uh, Izanisevich or Kleisters or Sharapova. Sometimes you just get brought in uh, because you're a local lad, um, like uh, Jonathan Murray uh, and Frederick Nielsen. Uh, they won the Wimbledon men's doubles uh, in 2012, and it was just because they were British. <laughs> and he's really, yeah. they it, they kind of were just hanging out around Wimbledon. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, and he's, right, a, lads, he's yeah. a Murray as well, so that probably helps. Yeah, having a pretty pretty good player as your yeah. brother. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they 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 had no ranking uh, whatsoever. They had no, they'd never played any significant results. But Mary was obviously a, a Scot. Yeah, uh, so his brother's doing pretty pretty good things. So as a doubles partnership, they just got invited in. I suppose like it. with with the Murray name, you end up for Wimbledon financially. You're going to sell more tickets, aren't you? If you've got Andy Murray's brother playing, yeah, than exactly. what you wouldn't. Well, I, I think that's a big part of it as well. They they'll often look at who's going to get bums on seats or, or people tuning in on TV when they're choosing the wild cards. Uh, but yeah, just weird that you... I mean, imagine if Brazil didn't qualify for the Soccer World Cup and then they just said, yeah, but everybody wants to watch Brazil, <laughs> so... <laughs> like, people are going to tune in for Brazil. Sorry, Honduras. People yeah. aren't bothered. Almost the stakes are so much higher as well because it's every four years, the Soccer World Cup. Yeah. Whereas in tennis, it's like every year. They yeah, thought, exactly. oh, so you've, you're only like a month or two from next Grand Slam. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it goes on. Man, that, that's um, one of the other things I want to talk about, Ian, is the line judges. Um, I love the line judges. I bet you. I thought you might. Yeah, I, I could have bet on that. I just, I wonder what they do for the rest of the year. Because I know like line judges may not travel to other I don't know if they do or not whether they travel to other Grand Slams or whether they make a career out of it but I kind of get the sense that they would just like they would be tennis enthusiasts or line enthusiasts and then they, they I basically love my line yeah <laughs> it what an exceptionally hard job no, that they, is they, they do travel on the tour uh, they do are they? yeah they're professionals um, get out, sure out. all of them are no actually. like some of them probably aren't, but certainly the top ones, because they then end up becoming the chair umpires. So, oh, really? Yeah, I was looking into this. Yeah, and that's sort of the, often the route is from being a line judge to a, an umpire to being, and sort of you go up through the ranks like that. Um, wow. But, I, I mean, watching the tennis live, I was very interested by what they were doing. Oh, the formations they take, they, they all bend their knees and drop at the same time. It's it's quite remarkable. It's like a, a dance move. It's like, it's like a choreographed. Cult, yeah. yeah, it's great. And then, and then the guy who stands uh, just to the just behind the the player who's receiving the ball stands just off, so we can see the line. And then he runs back into position. 
And he has to do this little dance to get in position without causing too much of a distraction. Yeah, because they've got to kind of shift away. So I mean, they yeah. have to lean to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they lean back. And they, uh, they'll all wear the colours to sort of blend into the background. A bit like Man United and those invisible kits. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, they're, all wearing, they're all wearing sharp T-shirts. That's great. If you can. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, so they, so they sort of disappear, but they're, they're very interesting. And they have a tough job. I mean... I was watching um, the Australian, uh, oh, what's his name? Kyrgios. Kyrgios, thank you. Nutter. Uh, <laughs> he started abusing one of them in his game. Um, couldn't really hear what he was saying, but he was really pointing and shouting and getting himself wind up, wound up. Um, but that, that happens quite a lot. Because like the they are like statues, aren't they? And they are the... Out! Yeah. Out! That is good, Out. isn't it? Yeah. They've all got different grunts. <laughs> I do like And I, I think that's a thing. So that they, maybe I was wondering about this. I've got no evidence or answer mm. from my research. Maybe a listener could, could tweet us or something. But um, the, they all have different calls, it sounds like, like birds or gorillas or <laughs> something. So, so the, the chair, the chair uh, umpire knows who's called for what. It's like, out, so out. I think it's like they line you know, before anyone turns up. They line up in a line, yeah, and like it's a, a bit like who's got have, the, having who's got the deepest voice. Yeah, it's like having beer bottles with different amounts of yes, water, and they're blowing like the top. They go like out, 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 out. I like prolonged as well. I like that. Out, out. Yeah, it's Super. absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, they, they the players sometimes are just horrible to them. I, I was looking into this. Um, I mean, Serena Williams did a pretty bad one. How's this? This was for a foot fault in 2009 at the US Open. That's right. So a foot fault is where they're watching across. Yes. And is it, they've got it when they serve, they can't, can't go over, over the, the line, line or step yeah. on the line, yeah. can they? Well, Serena did. So her response to the foot fault... <laughs> I don't know if she said it like that. <laughs> that would be great. She it? said it somehow. If she doesn't work in a shoe shop. fault. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll fucking take the ball and shove it down your fucking throat. Serena was ejected from the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that was That was the end of that. Uh, Kim Kleistis uh, went through. Wow. I swear to God, I'll, take, I'll fucking take the ball and shove it down your fucking throat. That is... <laughs> <laughs> what workplace would you be subjected exactly, yeah. to that not, kind of stuff? It's not, it's not right, is it? Um, but there's other good ones. I mean, John McEnroe couldn't couldn't talk about tennis without mentioning uh, old Johnny Mac. Um, 1981, most famously, you cannot be serious, man. <laughs> and, then, and then calling him the absolute pits of the world. <laughs> the pits of the you world. You are the absolute pits of the world. <laughs> that is such a like bratish... New Yorker thing it's to say. It's an incredible insult. Yeah. You're the pits of the world, <laughs> of man. Of the world. It's like a toddler. <laughs> Poor Edward James. I love it. I love it. But it, from, from what I've read, though, these, uh, these line judges, these, these people doing this bloody difficult job, staring at a line for five hours at a time, and then getting screamed at by millionaires. Uh, <laughs> they're on their way out. Hawkeye uh, could well be replacing them in full it seems over the next few years and they could just be going to a totally automated system um, and one of the things I actually read which is remarkable if true um, is that they've been trialling this Hawkeye sort of electronic system and r- rather than having a beep or a buzzer or something that 
sounds, uh, I don't know, like a robot doing the job. And they were talking about recording people and getting <laughs> and playing the recording of out, out, out. That is staggering, isn't it? I really hope that happens. Because they do that with cars. You know, like if you buy a new car, like, because the engines are so quiet. So I think the, 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 like, sporty Jag that they released a couple of years ago, there was a button inside which you could press and it would play what the old car sounded like. Rum, <laughs> so, rum. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Inside you, a car? Ian, be honest. Do I have a... You've heard me do a few of these voiceovers. Yeah. I just did an impression of a Jaguar there. Yeah, do you yeah. think that could be a p- p- possible career uh, move for me? Look, I, I think uh, you could... Out! Yeah. See? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty good, isn't it? You know, you say, where are you going tonight? Out! <laughs> <laughs> oh, just try it all different ways. Talk like that. Yeah. Just shouting. <laughs> oh, going out! <laughs> I love it. But look, who who, who, who are the line judges' best mates? The ball boys and girls, just hanging out next to them. And I tell you what, if the line judges have got good choreography, the ball <laughs> the boys boy. and girls is so much better. What what a pressure job that is, though. Oh my goodness! Honestly, I was stressed watching them. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. They're there holding the balls, loads of balls in their little hands. They're only kids. They've got all these balls and they can't drop them and they've got to toss them to their mate and they're only allowed to move at certain times. They've got little squares for them to stand in or yeah. other squares for them to crouch down in. It just seems... Yeah, I don't deal well with pressure. <laughs> I could never, ever be a ball boy. Yeah. Ever. I'd rather you be know, a player. I, yeah, I don't think they'll allow you to... I think yeah, you're too point. old yeah, now. But, um, um, but there's been some lovely... Mo- like, I remember the Australian Open, there was a... a a ball boy crouch by the side of net and the player hit like the the shot was dead so he just chipped the ball like and the ball boy like a like one of those lizards or frogs that stick their tongue out yes really far and just grabbed the fly he stayed in a crouch position just stuck his hand out and caught the ball and everyone gave a massive ovation for it because that was what? like more entertaining I actually than watched that video this afternoon. Oh, really? It is incredible. <laughs> and I, we should put a link or something yeah. to that because it is brilliant. There's such a joy to that. Yeah. L- look at a round of applause. And the, uh, Listener, but the thing is, is that up. they can't show emotion. So he did that amazing thing and he couldn't even like acknowledge and go, yeah, that was pretty that was good. The highlight of my and life. he's a kid. 14. <laughs> he's a kid. Never going to get better. <laughs> um, no, some, sometimes they, like these ball boys, on top of the pressure, they get asked weird things by the players. Like they actually get taught the idiosyncrasies of certain players beforehand because certain players want the towel after every point, certain players oh, yeah. want it after every game or something. Like certain players want the balls handed to them in a certain way or on the racket or bounce to them. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're so bloody particular these players um it's i was a bit like working in hospitality isn't it yeah i feel like i'm picking on serena williams here i'm really not she is amazing let's just say serena's amazing i love her she came out in a black raincoat the other day when i saw her brilliant absolute yeah champion um but yeah she was losing six nil uh sorry she was six six down six egg i think six egg <laughs> um in 2015 in, in the hopman cup against an italian um and she, she, she sits down in the first. So she, uh, she asks the umpire to ask the, the ball boy, uh, I think, or the ball girl, sorry, um, to go and get her a coffee. She wanted an espresso. <laughs> and the, 
I'm not joking. And the umpire basically ruled that the request was fine. It was within the rules. There was nothing, you know, strange about strange it. about no. a, a player no. asking for a cup of coffee after the first <laughs> set. Did he say? So, <laughs> so, so the play, so the so the ball girl left the court and ran off, and then came back a few minutes later and said they wouldn't serve me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a pun? <laughs> No, Serena wouldn't serve until she got a coffee. She's there, but I got your juice. Uh, <laughs> no, she she brought it back, and Serena had it. And, and lo and behold, uh, Serena won the next two sets in the game. So goodness, like the match. So uh, so imagine that being a kid going to the coffee stand and they're going, uh, yeah, what you what you want? It's, uh, I, need an espresso. I need an espresso for Serena Williams. For Serena She's Williams, six yeah. nil down. <laughs> and right. the umpire said, "Can he have a tea with two sugars?" <laughs> So Seems so you go. Yeah, as you go. Yeah. Is anybody yeah. else? Yeah. Anyone in the st- it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> she's yeah. had to pay with her pocket money as well. Like she's, <laughs> she's who paid for that? Oh. I didn't find that out. Yeah. Sometimes the the players, the, the the ball boys and girls do all right though. Like um, both Nadal, Djokovic, various other sort of really famous players over the years have been invited uh, ball boys or ball girls to to have a rally with them after a match. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it was Djokovic actually invited one of them to have a sit next to him on a particularly hot day. He was handing him his uh, his drink and he said, oh, sit down, you have some. It's pretty good, <laughs> isn't it? Well, I think there was a game at the Australian Open. Um, Andy Roddick, I think, was playing. And the game went on so long that the both players gave their rackets to the ball boys and said, you have a hit while we have a little rest. Yes, I've seen <laughs> it's that. Like, yeah. It's amazing, <laughs> it's isn't it? Um I mean, that is incredible. There should, should be more of that stuff. Well, get, stuff look, like getting that. coffee, I mean, that, that it strikes me as that's beyond their job description, surely. I would have thought so, but yeah. it seems that the umpire was up for it, so it happened. Yeah. Um, sometimes it doesn't go so well, though. Um, <laughs> did, did she have, like, two coffees in her hand, held one up above her head? Like this? <laughs> <laughs> presented it on the racket, down, yeah. 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 <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Three in her hands, yeah. Um, no, sometimes it doesn't go so well for them. I mean, there's there's a lot of footage of ball boys and ball girls, more ball boys, just taking a ball in the, oh, in, the, in, the un- in the unmentionables. Yes. Uh, wow. And you always feel, oh, that that's not so much fun, especially as a teenager. It's that like would, an occupational that, hazard, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It is. um, what about this? Uh, back in, well, it was only last year, in Wim- Wimbledon 2018, uh, Eugene Bouchard, tweeted about one of the ball boys after the game uh, saying one of the ball boys on my court today had his fly unzipped every time he gave me balls to serve I couldn't help but stare at it that is very strange (laughs) first of all yeah bit strange second of all just tell him come on Eugene or keep it to yourself don't tweet about it it's an adolescent boy yeah the last thing he needs (laughs) you've ruined him (laughs) going back to school after that just getting just hammered by an I'm, international I'm, tennis player. I'm really surprised on the line judges didn't go out. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, there's a funny story. Uh, just to finish on on ball boys and girls, Tim Henman was actually disqualified from a match uh, for accidentally assaulting one with a, a tennis ball. Did you know that? <laughs> no, Tim that Hen- sounds so Tim, Tim Henman. Henman. Was, he was the like, first accidentally. He was the first person to ever be disqualified for assaulting a ball. <laughs> so how did he do it? <laughs> Hit them with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but the 
bull, the bull girl was like apparently really cool about it and was like, oh, he, he came and apologized, but I'd already forgiven him. Like, it's fine. He's my hero. But yeah, he got himself a DQ. <laughs> yeah. And the next game, she's like wearing an American football helmet, yeah. chin pads, <laughs> cricket pads. <laughs> Just it. in case. Um, but yeah, that's man. That's fun. So that's, that's sort of my beginner's guide, my back to basics guide to tennis. My new favorite sport. Which I'm an overnight expert in. <laughs> well, you did a bloody good job. There's definitely some revelations in there which I just did not understand. Yeah. So that's, and, uh, yeah, that's there one is egg. a language wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> there is a language wrapped around tennis. What a bizarre world. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, nice one. Thanks, Matt. Well, thank you very much. Well, Eve. we'll um, enjoy that. Yeah, we'll kick back in uh, a Federation Square here and enjoy the. Australian Open which is on the on the widescreen TV yeah. and yeah we'll see you for the next episode I can't wait man thanks Matt bye bye <laughs>